This is Digital Dots Talks in Geneva, a 15-minute podcast to give you an overview of international digital issues and the role of Geneva in shaping our digital future. This podcast is presented by the Mission of the Netherlands in Geneva and the Geneva Internet Platform. So today, another interview for our listeners. And today I'm interviewing Doreen Bogdan-Martin. Hi, Doreen. I hope you're doing okay, because for me, this was really something I was looking forward uh, towards really uh, with such pleasure. And I'm so happy that we can interview you. And I, I wanted to ask you first question. How did you get to the place where you are? Because you are a director elected in uh, in the ITU and you're the first woman in 153 years that made it to this uh, position. So uh, how did you get there and how does that feel as a woman to be there? Well, thank you. Thank you, Natalie. And it's it's great to, to, to be here. Um, so my journey, I guess I'll, I'll start with, with that. So way back when I was uh, doing my master's degree and I was focused on communication policy and I had the opportunity to do an internship. So I started as an intern in the commerce department in the United States more than 30 years ago, um, ended up in a paid position um, working in international telecommunications policy uh, where I did a lot of work on ITU issues in particular development and that led me to have a detachment uh, to the ITU back in the early 90s um, and fast forward to today as you mentioned I'm the the first um, elected director in the ITU when I was elected in 2018 um, I became the first woman in our 153-year history at the time. Um, and it's a great sector, of course, to be working in. When I started, it was kind of pre-internet. Uh, and of course, uh, our sector is evolving at leaps and bounds. Of course, when I started, there weren't so many women in, in this field, uh, but we're seeing growing uh, interest and in lots of young women in particular that are considering careers in the ICT sector. And you really are an example for all those girls in school that are, are looking into the possibilities. Because I think for a lot of women and girls, it might be a little bit scary that it's very technical. Uh, how do you perceive that? And what do you tell younger girls about a career in, in ICT? Well, I think what's great now, as opposed to when I started, where it was definitely much more technically focused, is that today we can see the impact of digital technologies. We can see the impact of connectivity on people's lives. Uh, and I think that helps in terms of uh, growing the interest amongst young men and women uh, because technology can, as I said, make an impact, be it in healthcare, in education, of course, in employment, um, you know, everything out there is digital. Uh, so it makes a big difference. Exactly. And of course, I think uh, in our age group, we see on the one side, our parents, if they're still alive, struggling a little bit with all the new technologies and asking us questions. But we see our children and they have, you know, they were born in this era with all these 
possibilities and they are so digitally fluent so um so maybe it becomes less scary also for for girls to um, to pursue a career in this field um and you mentioned a few a few changes but what how would you describe that world that you're active in is it is it still a man's world you said it's not so much maybe only technical what are new things that that young people are interested in when they when they pursue a career in this field well it it is still largely male dominated i think the workforce depending upon the country is kind of 20 to 30% of the tech workforce is comprised of of women so we're far from parity uh, we need to do more and of course it starts with younger girls um but That's why I have been quite passionate about some of our programs in terms of our girls in, in ICT day we have um coding uh, initiatives that we run we have African girls can code America's girls can code and I think by pushing those kinds of things to younger audiences we have a better chance of uh, keeping them interested in the sector and hopefully getting them into the sector when they graduate um the tech sector is kind of infamous for this leaky pipeline syndrome where we get people into the workforce and then they leave uh i'm hopeful that we can try to correct that so we not only get women into the the tech workforce but we we keep them in the workforce and we grow them as future future leaders Yeah that will be really amazing and I actually I promised my sons because I have sons that I was also going to do a training in coding and this is still on my wish list and now hearing you say that I realize you know this is what we have to do <laughs> and Ew, and we do yes I have two girls and two boys and of course I forced my children to do summer coding camps which they didn't like at the time uh, but I think now uh, they're in all university students I think they're grateful that I I made that push Exactly because it's just like any other language that brings you far in the world if you know how to speak it. This is a language that we should actually all basically understand and speak. So yeah, that would be important. You also mentioned Africa and I know that another digital divide that you try to bridge and that you work on a lot and ITU has a lot of programs on is also to bring developing countries up to speed can you tell us a little bit more about that what kind of work do do you do for for countries that are still in other stages of of their development yeah um that's a that's a great question and of course today we have 2.9 billion people around the globe that are not connected so they've never ever connected to the internet uh and many of them are in the african region and at the same time of course africa has the biggest youth population uh, so that's a huge opportunity if we can bring connectivity to young people i think the the, the sky's the, the limit um about 33% or so in Africa are actually connected to the internet. Uh the gap is bigger in LDCs and when it comes to women, for example, in least developed countries, we only have one out of every 5 women that's connected to the internet. Um so there's a number of challenges, but there's so many opportunities. We're trying to work on issues around affordability because for many Uh, the cost of services is prohibited the cost of devices is also uh, too high 
when we get the device in the hands of those that, that need it, we also have to keep in mind the skills piece. So we have a number of uh, programs uh, where we're focusing on digital literacy to try to bring those basic digital skills to uh, to women and, and, and men as well. Um, the other piece is on the content piece that's um, kind of keeping people offline. It's that lack of relevant content in local languages. And so trying to, uh, to work with communities uh, to equip them with the needed skills so that they can become not just consumers, but content creators. Uh, so we have many programs focused on last mile connectivity to get the, the, the technology out there. Uh, we have our GovStack program that focuses on e-government services. We have our Smart Village program that we first started in Niger. Um, we have some great uh, uh, stories coming out of the villages that we've connected in, in Niger. Uh, and I think what's so exciting is that we're actually seeing the impact that our, our work is having is having within uh, within the region. The other thing I wanted to to mention was that we launched something called Partner to Connect. Uh, we launched it last year together with the Office of the Tech Envoy. Uh, then we unveiled the the, the pledging um, outcomes uh, two months ago in Kigali in Rwanda. Um, we were thrilled because we had over 400 pledges that um, are equal an estimated $26 billion. Uh, and those pledges are focused on the access piece, so getting the connectivity out there, um, focused on the, um, the skills piece as well, uh, which helps in terms of adoption. And then the last piece is the value creation piece so that we help, as I said, communities to become not just consumers, but also creators. Exactly. And I, I had some more questions on this content creation because, of course, access is really important and having the infrastructure and having the devices. But I've heard some wonderful stories. For instance, I heard about a group of women in Kenya um, and they, they actually are the ones responsible for taking care of their cows. And they came up with, um, with an app with pictures uh, to teach other, other girls, but also boys, about how you can, what the signals are that your cow is healthy and what you need to do if you see specific things. And it was all in drawings and it, it was used a lot. And do you have some examples for our listeners that, that can make it more concrete how also in, in Africa content is provided and once, uh, once uh, people see how they can use it, that they're not only consumers, but they're actually also creators. Do you have some examples of that? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, and that's a great example from, from Kenya. And I think what's important here is that the solutions have to be kind of bottom up. Um, you can't just one size fits all top down. It really has to be projects and initiatives that adapt to the needs on the ground. We have a great project with the enhanced integrated framework here in Geneva, where we're targeting Burundi, we're targeting Ethiopia and also Haiti, working with, uh, with women, uh, women farmers as well. Uh, we have this wonderful woman uh, from, from Burundi, her name is Shaka. Uh, and she also uh, works um, in agriculture and livestock uh, farming. We put her through a workshop on e-commerce. So we taught her basic digital literacy. Uh, we taught her about digital marketing, how to use social media. And she was able to create her own online electronic shop. 
uh, to then, you know, sell and promote her, her products, which not only helped her, of course, but it helped her family and, of course, her, her community. Uh, we also have this woman from Ethiopia, uh, Kunjina, uh, who's an amazing fashion designer. Uh, she also went through one of our workshops with EIF. Uh, she was able to develop digital skills um, and use 3D for her business. Um, and she has uh, she has just excelled and she's she's doing lots of lots of great things. Um, one of the things we also do to capture these stories and to capture the impact of our of our work, uh, we have the Equals Global Partnership, which is specifically focused on bridging uh, the digital gender gap. We have over 100 partners, uh, many from the UN system, and we have uh, an annual um, award called Equals in Tech, uh, where we try to showcase and put the spotlight on some of these amazing efforts. And I think this year we have about 160 incredible nominations that we're in the process of, of reviewing. Wow, that really brings it uh, to life. And, and I can picture how, how IT and having these digital skills actually change the lives of these specific women, but also their families and the villages. And yes, the world becomes, you know, a smaller place because also if they want to sell their products, they can go online. I can imagine that when you sell your fashion, you can do that online. So you really broaden up the world uh, for them with all the possibilities. Are there also things that you sometimes have to teach them that are more about the risks? Because, of course, also during the COVID crisis, everybody was doing more things things online more and more shopping online and uh, and and like video conferencing online in those trainings do you also need to to um to warn them for risks mm -hmm. yeah that's a great point um and of course during covid we saw more people coming online people coming online that were younger that their parents hadn't necessarily anticipated they would be coming online so early and with that we saw a huge increase in terms of um, online bullying harassment and, and other issues uh, so for us we take very seriously in particular child online protection uh, which of course doesn't just focus on on children it focuses on uh, i would say all audiences uh, we push good cyber hygiene practices I think that's really important that young people, older people understand the risks, but also understand how they can best protect themselves. Uh, we have a, uh, an extensive program in the space of cybersecurity focused on capacity development. And so we do even online cyber drills, you know, simulating uh, different scenarios so that people and organizations can be can be best equipped because there are risks out there and we need to be best prepared uh, to be able to manage them. Exactly. Well, uh, unfortunately, because I have like tens, uh, tons of more questions to to ask you, but this is a short interview. My my last wish for for you is really that you do well in the campaign. We're hoping very much that you can um, you can put your mark on on all the things and actually keep pushing what you are already pushing just in another position but we'll of course hear more about it later do you have a future dream do you have a dream for the future um it, when it comes to this field of bridging all these divides i think my dream would be that 
all people can can benefit from access to digital technologies and if we can connect the unconnected by 2030 if not before 2030 i think that connectivity is what's going to help us achieve the 17 sustainable development goals yeah i also agree with you and i wish you a, a lot of luck and success and we support you thank oh, you very thank, thank you so much thank you thanks for the opportunity <laughs>